We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back, everybody. It's another day of DFS here on the Rotowire DFS podcast. Sponsored by FanDuel, I'm your host, Joe Pizapia, and with me tonight is John McKechnie. And I got to tell you, John, you've got one of the all-time best, like, 80s crazy cop guy names who's, like, gone out of control. You're like, get McKechnie in my office. Like, it's just it's awesome. <laughs> I love I it. I don't do things by the book. My God, McKechnie makes his own rules of DFS, and he doesn't take any prisoners. All these shoot first, ask questions later's antics aren't <laughs> going to get you far in this precinct. <laughs> yeah, baby. And that's the kind of attitude you're going to need for the DFS slate coming up on Friday, John. Got to have it. Shoot first, you, ask man, questions later. Holy crap. When you're looking at these guys, and I know it's the, the first week, and I know like, a lot of fours and, uh, are basically lined up here now tonight, uh, and I'm looking at these guys, and I'm thinking, Wow. I don't remember a, a grouping of pitchers pretty much like this awful all collective in, in quite a long time. Maybe it's just because the football season's been, you know, sure. ingrained in my brain. But here we are, and I'm looking at the names, man, and their shirts are at the top, and then a whole lot of questions for the most part. So before we even get into anything, too, uh, I just want to put this out there. When you have this early slate today, it's a very interesting one you've got because of the Friday games. And you've got some of these Friday games already happening, like Coors, Scherzer's in the early game, where you have a lot of the – some of the difficult roadblocks you run into DFS sometimes is the, you know, Coors at home and that stack that you have to deal with, plus the big-time, only one big-time pitcher really on the slate. Mm-hmm. Is this an opportunity where you would say, hey, take these four games separately altogether and play them separately or don't play them, fade them at all, and just play the night slate? How would you, John McEachney, approach this slate today? I'm approaching it. I'm just going to do the the afternoon only. So that that's a pack of Atlanta versus Pittsburgh, Boston at Detroit, Washington Philly, uh, the Coors game, and then uh, Giants Padres, which I think sneakily is where you can kind of uh, kind of get the most blood out of the turnip in in this slate because I think obviously anytime you got the Dodgers going to Coors, uh, I think a lot of the ownership is going to be. Uh, 
uh, geared towards that game. But, you know, we'll get into why some of the Dodgers guys are kind of risky uh, for this for this uh, particular afternoon slate. But I think that the Giants could be a nice way to kind of uh, separate yourself in, in GPP situations because, you know, they are going against uh, Perdomo. Uh, obviously, it is at Petco, so it's a bit of a pitcher's park, but I, I don't worry too much about that with the Giants here. So I think that that's the game I'm going to be focusing on. But you, you do bring up a good point where there's a lot of big name uh, players going in this early slate. And if you, you know, if you, if you don't play the all day, then you, you know, you're leaving out, you know, some Red Sox hitters, you're, you're leaving Scherzer off the board. When, when you look at the pitchers for the night slate, uh, Liriano's the highest priced guy at 8,000. So you, you, you're leaving out a potential for, you know, a ton of points from your pitcher. If you, if you exclude that. Yeah. And, and if you just boil it down to those late games too, I mean, tournament wise, it could be the wild, wild west tonight. Because these, these you know, you're, you're taking out Boston, like you said, taking out Colorado and Colorado, and you're left with some offenses, varying levels of talent on there, varying levels of ballpark factor. And I'm sure we're going to you know, get to all those. But let's start with the pitcher, shall we? Let's get into some of those guys right off the bat here. Uh, we've got in the pitcher slate, obviously, we mentioned Max Scherzer at the very top of the board at 10,300. Now, over on the DK side of things and the two-pitcher site, he is almost at a uh, – at 13,000, I, I don't know, man. I don't think I can go there. Boy, like, that I, is a pretty penny over there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as much as you want to say, hey, that's the lock-in guy in cash games, man, oh, man. <laughs> that is just a They're tough They're going to make you pay me. for it. You know? You're going to pay through the nose for it. I mean, the FanDuel side a little bit better. But the guy that really, you know, sparks my fancy right off the gate is Francisco Liriano. He's going to be in a weather-controlled environment, in a pitcher ballpark, against a team that does strike out a fair amount. Uh, it's got some lefty outs in it, too. Right. Uh, give me your thoughts on Liriano at eighty at uh, eight thousand tomorrow. You know, I think if yeah, if you're playing that Excuse evening me, slate, eight thousand tonight. Pardon me, everyone. All good. Um, so I, I do like I do like his I like the win potential there. Uh, given that given that you know the Blue Jays obviously are going to be able to push some runs across the board uh, in that scenario, and you know he's when you look at the rest of the pitchers that are going in that specific time frame, you know who else can you really trust? I mean, he, he's going to have Matt Andres opposing him on the other side so I, I do think Liriano uh, br- brings a quality start factor there uh, like you mentioned with, with those left-handed bats you know that that kind of takes out the Corey Dickerson home run factor you know that that puts Kiermaier in a bit of a bind you really pretty much only have to worry about Longoria if you, it kind of feels like and looking at this as well the guy that I would want to pair him with if I was going for a second pitcher on other sites I, I would certainly look at Fultonevich as well. Yes. Uh, and, and that was the thing. I just had a conversation with a buddy of mine on the, another show about that not more than 10 minutes ago. And here we are having the conversation again. It's Liriano, it's Fultonevich. Those are the guys that pop out. And I'm not the biggest Fultonevich guy, but the matchup against Pittsburgh seems very tempting to me. Break it down. Tell me why I'm right here. And I think I'm drinking a bit of the Kool-Aid on Fulte as well. I think I just kind of get the osmosis from from Derek Van Riper in the office. I feel like he's always bringing up Fulte for some reason. That it's just stuck with me. But he actually gets a he gets a he gets like a dollar every time he does. He's got like a whole okay. it's a, yeah, it's a royalty. Sense. It's like a royalty system that DVR's got set up for him. Exactly, but you know, uh, with Fulte, you know, you're going against a lineup that you know obviously it's pretty early, but uh, the Pittsburgh's offense hasn't looked like it's it's in bounce back form yet obviously last year was a bit of a down year and you know obviously it's a very small sample size but they're third to last in, in baseball against righties right now in terms of uh, weighted on base at 216 uh, that's obviously well below average and Fulte's got some powerful stuff you know sits in the mid 90s so I think 
you know, it, either pretty much GPP if you're playing the all day or the early. I really like Fulty here because he gives you so much flexibility at 6,900 to, to be able to, to really kind of load up on hitters because, you know, as we mentioned, unless you're going Scherzer, it, it is kind of uh, proceed at your own caution is for most of these pitchers. So I think Fulty kind of is, is that second most appealing option here. Before we keep going down to some of the lower tier pitchers, I just want to get your thoughts real fast on Michael Fulmer. I know he's going against Boston, which is typically not something you want to necessarily go for. But if Mookie Betts is out of that lineup again with the illness, is that something where you're tempted in a tournament play to maybe uh, in multiple lineups take a shot there with Fulmer? Or is it 8,400 a little too expensive to take that shot? Obviously, the 8,400 isn't ideal going against the Red Sox. I, I feel like, you know, if, we, if you counted all my lineups last year, the times I used a pitcher against Boston, you could probably do it on, on one hand, maybe even one finger. But uh, like you mentioned, Mookie Betts being sick, uh, you know, I think our latest update on him was that he's iffy at best uh, heading into that. And Bogarts is out. He's on the bereavement right, list. Right, and Bogarts on the bereavement. So, yeah, and no so, David Ortiz anymore, kids. Let's not forget that. I mean, that, that does mean something. So I think, you know, th- this is a Boston lineup that, that you know, could be coming in at, you know, 80% of, of what you usually expect. And with that, I think Fulmer definitely deserves uh, some GPP consideration. Plus, I, I think that the, the Tigers on the other side could get him some run support going against Stephen Wright. Now, Wei and Chen, one of my favorite pitchers this year in season long, he came at zero cost basically in every league that I'm in because this is a guy that was very steady when he pitched for Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, came over to the National League. Everybody was excited, including me, to get him into that bigger ballpark, to get him out of the Camden Yards, to get him away from the DH. And he wasn't healthy last year, but he looked good in spring, looked healthy in the spring. That hasn't always translated so far in the early going in April, the good spring numbers for some of these pitchers. But I'm being cautiously optimistic looking at he's got the matchup against the Mets. And, you know, it's Zach Wheeler's first outing in quite some time. I can't imagine him going very long, and I imagine they're going to get into that bullpen sooner than later in that game. Is that an opportunity for Wei-Yin Chan at 77 also to work his way into this conversation on Friday? I think uh, you're you're more bullish on Chen than I am. I I think that this Mets offense – uh, against a lefty, it, it I think it, it's going to be able to get to Chen. And obviously, uh, City Field is is very pitcher friendly, so I think that obviously helps uh, Chen Chen's cause. And like you mentioned, the, there is the factor of this is Wheeler's first major league start since what 2014, 2015. So yeah, it's uh, been years, which is yeah, a very yeah. strange thing to say, but yeah, it's years with an S on the end of it, guys. So, you know, his velocity was touching 97 uh, this spring. You know, he, he had one outing where he went, you know, five scoreless. But, you know, how much can you really rely on, on your spring training? Plus, you know, the, when, you know, this game actually counts now. So, you know, who knows uh, which Zach Wheeler we're going to see. And the middle of that uh, bullpen for the Mets isn't overly dominant either by any stretch. So I, I think you could see Chen kind of sneakily getting that win probability that maybe you don't really think about at first glance. Yeah, uh, I, like I said, you know, it's not something I'm running out to do, but if I'm doing multiple lineups or I'm just playing the, the night slate, I look at Chen as being one of those guys that I think will pitch well enough, but also more, it's more that I'm going against Zach Wheeler in that sensibility because, because of what you mentioned about the Mets bullpen, but also I just, I can't imagine at this point in time in April, them really letting him go too far into the game. If he gets through the sixth inning, I would kind of be surprised. I mean, I would be pleasantly surprised as a Mets fan, but I'm also being realistic as a baseball analyst. Sure. And I think there's a lot to be desired there. 
let's uh, let's go to the negative end on this. Let's go to some of the pitchers we're trolling. Who are the guys that you're looking at and you're like, yeah. I mean, obviously we got the Colorado discussion in play, but who are the other pitchers that you want to troll and go against here and get some of those big bats in the lineup and kind of just go right for them? Uh, let's see here. Well, I think Josh Tomlin, I think uh, that he kind of somehow just had a magical year out of nowhere last year. I think that that uh, is going to be pretty much wearing off here. I think it looked to start – uh, it looked to be the outset of it wearing off uh, during spring. So uh, him going to Chase Field isn't going to cure that by any means. Uh, obviously, you're going to have to pay out the nose to get a guy like Goldschmidt, uh, and you're going to have to pay a lot for Lamb as well. But, I mean, if you can, if you can afford it, if you can you know, find value uh, elsewhere within your lineup, I think that, that stacking up some of those uh, big sluggers for, for the Diamondbacks uh, is going to pay off against a guy like Tomlin that I, I just don't think – uh, if if he's not locating properly, then he's in huge trouble. How about Brett Anderson? You you want to go against him at all? I mean, Milwaukee's got some good bats in that lineup. I know Broxton out with the uh, hit by pitch today right. at the face on uh, Thursday as we're recording this into Friday. But uh, I look at that one as another opportunity where I'm not confident in Brett Anderson. No, I would I wouldn't be either. I mean, he, he he's priced properly in my opinion at 5400 on Fanduel. So. You, uh, the, the Brewers offense, you know, the Brewers, they're, they're not going to go for, you know, they're not chasing the playoffs or anything, but they're always going to be a threat to push some serious runs across. You know, you got Braun, you got VR, Travis Shaw has come on, come on really well. You probably are going to want to avoid the early season uh, hero as far as your value plays in Eric Thames because he's going against a lefty. He might not even be in the lineup, but th- there are definitely some guys, uh, it's, it's the ones that I mentioned, especially, uh, I think, are going to be the ones uh, to do the most damage against a guy like Anderson. Well, Jesus Aguilar is the one that I got my eye on too. I mean, he's going to be very cheap and, you know, I think he's going to get the playing time because basically now Broxton being out might force them to play things, even though they don't want to against a lefty. Mm -hmm. I think they might force him out there and he's just 2,200. So in terms of cost saver, when you're trying to create a Colorado lineup, there's one for you right there. Jesus Aguilar, $2,200. And a guy that was, in the Cleveland organization, an RBI machine in the minor leagues, a guy that, you know, the power didn't come as quickly as they hoped, but he was always an excellent run producer in the Cleveland organization. I don't think he ever got a fair shake there, uh, Mm -hmm. a fair opportunity over an extended period and a longer look. And they started competing and they just didn't have much time for him. And I'm happy that he got an uh, an opportunity here. And I think he's going to make the most of it. Let's move over to the catcher real quick here, John. And, you know, before you tell me the catcher you like, you got to ask, you just have to answer this question to me. How is JT Real Muto at almost min-salary again? I don't understand this. Like, I feel he's $2,300, and I understand maybe he doesn't have the allure of a Gary Sanchez or a Buster Posey, but I feel like from a points perspective, this is a guy that's going to put up some points. I mean, first three games out of the gate, 12, 31, and 34. Am I missing something here? Am I just not getting the memo? He hits at the top of the order. He runs a little bit. He's got a little pop. What's wrong no, th- with Real Muto? I think you just found maybe the, the catcher play of the day here. I can't believe, you know, based on the start, plus his track record in general, he's a guy that very rarely gives you a goose egg. And, you know, for right. him to be basically at minimum price, and usually when I go value at catcher, I'm looking at a guy that is that is safe, that has a bit of a floor, like a Russell Martin. Like, it, that's another guy that's not a trendy. You don't feel, like, awesome about playing a guy like Russell Martin, but you feel good about him getting getting on base a few times at least. And I think Real Muto is like that, but, but a little bit more. He offers, you know, even more upside than a guy like Martin at this stage of his career. So, you know, that hot start going against Wheeler uh, and his first start back, 
I mean, man, I, that's going to be hard for me to ignore. I mean, especially considering how much it saves you, uh, you know, so you're able to fit in a guy like Goldschmidt. And it's been all week. Like, it's, it's, it's like not a new thing either. And I don't understand what, what's going on. I understand it's a little bit looser than it used to be. And I understand the ownership percentage is, is getting into it. But I, I just, I don't understand. Real Muto, like you said, you put it perfectly. A guy who's not going to goose egg you. And that is, that is huge at the catcher position, especially if you get a value, especially on a night when you've got to pay 10 grand to get Max Scherzer in your lineup. You're going to need Aguilar. You're going to need some of these other guys like Real Muto. Any other catcher that jumps off the page to you right away? Um, I do like Gaddis a, a bit going against Jason Vargas. Uh, I think uh, the fact that they're going against a lefty could mean that McCann sits. Uh, so I think that Gaddis could definitely draw into the lineup. And uh, he's a guy that obviously – uh, you know, I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying that he can hit any pitch out of the park, uh, especially at home. So I like him at 2,900. He kind of stands out to me. Um, I'd like to know what your thoughts on are, are, are on Gary Sanchez here because he, he's down to 3,100 after his ice cold start this week. Uh, he was up to the mid 3,000s earlier in the week, but you know he's hitting just uh, 0.071 right now. He's he's really kind of looking a bit lost. Do you think that this is a chance for him to get it turned around against a guy like Ubaldo Jimenez at Cannon Yards? If anyone is out there to turn something around against, it's Ubaldo Jimenez. I mean, let's let's be honest. Even when he had this bizarre run last year, the numbers completely didn't jive. If there were there was a lucky pitcher last year in the second <laughs> half, when you start looking, you start digging into how that ERA became what it was, and and the 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 Babbitt that he had and the, the, uh, the hard hit ball rate, all these, I mean, just, I mean, there was no way he should have been like he was. Trust me. I'm an Orioles fan. Like I, I watch every game. I, I see this. You know I what I'm talking about? It. Like I, they, <laughs> they do not draw. They just don't jive. I'm not there with Gary Sanchez simply on the fact today. I like that his, his powers come. I mean, the, the prices come back down to 3,100. I do like the power. My problem is with real Muto down there for $800 less. Mm-hmm. I feel really good about his floor. Whereas Sanchez's floor right now is a little shaky. If this were in New York, maybe I feel a little bit differently. He was so good in that ballpark last year. That might change my tune against Ubaldo. I'm not saying it's a bad play. I'm just saying tonight, the way I'm looking at this slate and the way I'm going to have to spend up for these big Colorado bats or some of these other ones, I I just, I feel like the savings for Real Muto is actually safer and potentially a better return. Let's get to the corners while we're talking about it too. You got Rizzo going against, uh, in Milwaukee, he's uh, got the uh, starter against uh, Jimmy Nelson, and Jimmy Nelson's a, a complete dumpster fire. It has been for some time now. And I mean, insert any I, Brewers pitcher name. And well, uh, pretty, pretty much fits. between the Brewers rotation, the Padres rotation, and the Reds rotation, it's going to be some fun nights of DFS. I'm just putting <laughs> that like we we're going to be just hammering them until they're in submission. But I'm looking at Rizzo, and not just Rizzo too, but on that team in Chicago, look at Schwarber too, the other lefty going into Milwaukee here. Uh, is Rizzo like the guy at first base for 4K? I mean, he, he's the same price as Cabrera, same as Votto, basically the same as Encarnacion and cheaper than Goldschmidt. But in terms of a cash game first baseman, if you don't want to go down to like the Jesus Aguilar uh, route or maybe the Freddie Freeman route, do you think that Anthony Rizzo is the best or safest of this group? Uh, it's hard to argue about or argue against Vado when we're talking about just safe cash game, but Rizzo really fits the bo- fits the uh, bill here as well. I, I really like uh, how he's swinging the bat, you know, pretty much any time. But you know, going up to Miller Park, which uh, obviously he's comfortable hitting there. He's been there, you know, ton of times at this point. And as you mentioned, Jimmy Nelson just 
not a particularly inspiring pitcher at this stage right now. <laughs> that was so. the kindest thing that's ever been said about Jimmy Nelson, John. You <laughs> know, not you. inspiring. That was very, that was nice. I like what you did there. <laughs> yeah, you know, phrasing and such. But, uh, <laughs> Choose your words carefully, kids. But yeah, no, I, I think you make a really good point that, you know, if you, if you are going that cash game route and you, you can't quite fit Goldschmidt, I just keep mentioning Goldschmidt. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, at this point, yeah, Rizzo 4,000 cash game. I think that's, that's a very nice lock. I, I like Encarnacion too. I, he, I guess he's more GPP because his floor isn't quite as solid as Rizzo's, but going to Chase Field, going against Shelby Miller. Uh, for just $100 less, I do like that as well. Well, yeah, it's hard not to like that one, too. I wouldn't sleep on Freddie Freeman against Ivan Nova, either. You know, Fr- Freddie yeah. Freeman's another one of these guys, too. And I think it's only a tournament play, but Chris Davis, too. I- I- I'm cautiously optimistic about Luis Severino. But, you know, Chris Davis at home, the lefty against the young kid, Severino, plus how long is he going to go into that game? Right now, early in the season, right. I'm looking at some of these guys, some of these starters that I know are five-inning pitchers, basically. And I'm trying to find that soft underbelly of the, some of these bullpens. And I think Ooh. the Yankees are one of them. Um, you know, it's great at the back end, but in that middle, in that 6-7, mm-hmm. seven, seven. Yeah, there's, there's some opportunity there. Let's go over to third base, the other corner. Nolan Arenado hit his first home run last night uh, of the season. I'm sure many, many more to come. He's 4,700, top of the board there. Chris Bryant at 42, Machado at 38, Donaldson 38. Lots of big boys there. Uh, we all know how good they are, but is there a value? Is the value a guy like Miguel Sano who started off very hot to the season and, you know, so far looks really good. He's got a good lineup against a soft tossing uh, lefty in Derek Holland. Is Sano a guy to fade the top from at 3,100? I I do like I do like uh, the Sano factor in in that sense because uh, he does save you a bit, a bit of coin and he off, offers obviously a ton of upside and he he's been getting on base more which it, which is encouraging because he, he's not he's not just that like three true outcome guy anymore or really just two is either strikes out or just hits a bomb so I do like uh, him at thirty one hundred if you want to save a little bit and then if you dip into the afternoon slate a little bit I like Nunez uh, from from the Giants here. Uh, he's only 2,800. He's obviously a small sample here, but he's hitting over 500 so far and he's swiping bags. So that always helps your FanDuel cause. Uh, so I like him a lot if you want to save a little bit. And I, I'm going to fade, especially in the afternoon, uh, Justin Turner. Obviously, he's, he's off to a really good start here, but he's just a weird case where, yes, the, the Dodgers are going against a lefty and he's right-handed bat, but he's like an extreme reverse splits guy. So he, he hits righties a lot better than he hits lefties. He just doesn't see the ball well coming out of a southpaw's hand. So I'm, I'm completely off of Turner, and he's at 4,300. I think that was one of the more shocking uh, prices that I saw here. So off of him, and I think that you can definitely uh, get the value from, from Sano. Uh, Gallo's still only at 2,700, and he's going against Oakland at home. So uh, you saw, you saw uh, how far you can hit a ball in Texas the other night. I, I yes. definitely couldn't blame you if uh, you went the Gallo route. Well, yeah, I mean that—that's certainly a, one of those dollar and a dream ones, though, too. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta watch the Joey Gallows. That's strictly GPP only, and if you hit, boy, that's great. But we all know you talk about two outcomes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> Joey Gallo right is—you uh, know—so far in his career and his short career in the big leagues, anyway, he's been one outcome, which is mm-hmm. basically strikeout. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about shortstop too, which gets a little tricky now because Bogart's not available. Uh, And already this is a position that I found in the early going to be a little tenuous. You know, you have Trey Turner against the Phillies. You have Carlos Correa with a good matchup against Michael Fires. 
uh, story back in Colorado, which is always something to pay attention to. Sure. He has not gone off to a good start, but we all know what Colorado does for his value. Are you willing to pay up for 4200 for story or are you a little concerned the slow start there? Maybe let him go in that Colorado stack. Yeah, I'm pretty much fading that entire uh, top tier of of shortstops, especially early uh, Seager. You know, going against a lefty that that kind of brings him down, even though he's priced it out the nose of 4,200. Story, I have the similar concerns. Uh, Turner, I would consider going against Velasquez, uh, checking in at 3,700. But uh, going back to the Giants, I kind of like Crawford at 2,700 if you need to save a little bit. Plus, he's been hitting. Uh, right next to Nunez in the in the lineup uh, over the past few days. So if you need like a little two guy mini stack, I think you mm. could do a lot worse in getting those guys uh, going against the Padres at least I, early. I agree with you. Any the the phrase against the Padres is going to be very popular on this podcast this year. <laughs> I want you to learn it. It's going to be a hashtag by the time we're done. I guarantee. Uh, top of the board, it's second base. Jose Altuve, thirty seven hundred. Forsyth, thirty six. Uh, like Forsyth in Colorado, I think that's actually a pretty good value. 36 is actually not terrible. Yeah, that's really not bad at uh, all. You know, when you're looking at Colorado guys, that one just stuck out to me and popped right away. I know Jonathan Villar has gotten off to a slow start a little bit, gotten a lot of Ks early on. That's right. not great. But, I mean, everyone gets right when Brett Anderson comes to town, so I just want to put that out there for everybody. <laughs> uh, also, Rugnet Odor in Texas, um, just 3,300, another guy with substantial power. LeMahieu is another one that I think is a little – I was just surprised to see LeMahieu floating at 35. I thought he would be a little bit higher. Uh, the price it's, at yeah, it's second almost like base, there's no cores bump for him. Yeah, like I, I feel like him, Forsyth, not much of the bump there. But also, you go, and I've been saying this so far as we've started the year, you know, second base is the deepest position. I said it in all the season-long draft coverage that I've done this year. And when you get guys like Matt Carpenter at 2,900, you know, like – all of a sudden, it's a place where you can basically make up a little ground because the depth there is really strong this year. Where would you go second base tonight? I'm all over Carpenter. I think I think him being under three thousand is is just patently ridiculous. Going against uh, Cincinnati, uh, going against Amir Garrett, uh, he is even split, so you're not worried about him going against a lefty here. Off to a slow start, so he's just discounted to to just a ridiculous price, in my opinion. Going against, like you mentioned. Uh, the Reds are going to be another rotation that we're that we're just hammering into submission for the entire season out until late September here. So uh, Carpenter is probably my favorite, uh, especially among the the late night guys of value for for twenty nine hundred. Also, kind of interested in Schimpf, uh going against Matt Kane. Uh, he's kind of a, just an interesting case. I, I looked at his numbers a little bit earlier, and I saw that he of his sixty hits last year, forty two of them went for extra bases, and Matt Kane. Uh, just not the Matt Cain that, that we used to know at this point in his career. So I think Schimpf is kind of interesting at 2,900. That pairing you discussed too with San Francisco, uh, you know, I, I want people to really listen to that because that's certainly one Nunez has been uh, good off the bat too. And clearly baseball is here, so don't get stranded on first base without a Rotowire subscription and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. So go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it and you must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible so no shenanigans kids all right just you know first time only users may only use and establish one account on FanDuel there's no loopholes here that's right I know I'm in the office the CS guys will get you they know and they know they know John knows see and he's the cop he's the he's the road cop we already know that he's the road but this cops. is one rule I play by <laughs> 
That's fanduel.com slash rotowire. So go get on that uh, while you're doing it. Let's go to the outfield and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. So um, clearly, we, we already know Colorado in play. We know this. Uh, we got Bryce Harper also 4,800, Mike Trout at five grand. But I can't believe this. I can't believe Charlie. I, I'm going to say only 4,700 with Charlie Blackman. And I've been, I've been harping on this all week. Charlie Blackman, to me, has been underpriced. I know he hasn't been hot out of the gate, but he's a guy that hit in cores, outside of cores. He has the same skill set, mm-hmm. basically, as Mike Trout in terms of power and speed and all those things offer you. He's had a slow start. I feel like this is an opportunity where it's not going to last too much longer, this slow start for Blackman. He's the guy that if, uh, Colorado is the must to me in that lineup. Yes, he. I mean, he sets the table. You know, you, you get that beautiful leadoff spot from from you know a Colorado lineup that's going to be putting up some some runs on Friday here. So I I really like Blackman here. I, you know, at that forty seven hundred that that obviously changes your thinking about the rest of your lineup. But I think you you just raised so many good points about how maybe the price tag plus the slow start might kind of uh, move some people off of Blackman. And I think uh, tonight is the night to capitalize on that. Now, Ryan Braun, George Springer at $4,200 and $4,100, respectively, right under him. Braun with a good matchup. He's got Brett Anderson. He's at home. Springer off to a very good start at home, also against Kansas, uh, against Kansas City. So he's going to be taking on there as well, hitting leadoff. Another guy, a little extra volume, never hurt anybody. Uh, he's also got the left-hander again, Jason Vargas. A lot of soft toss and lefties on this slate tonight, John. I mean, Yeah, I'm, I'm all over Springer. I mean, I think – I was checking Twitter uh, before we got on the air here, and uh, I believe he just hit another 450-foot home run, and the Astros tweeted out uh, the gif of the man completely engulfed in flames, and it's like, live look at George Springer. It's like, okay, when they, tw- when they, when they go to that gif, you know things are, are clicking for your guy like George Springer. So I'm totally in on George Springer at 4,100 going against Vargas. I'm with you, and I want to talk about a guy who's red hot too who also doesn't seem to be getting a Coors bump, and it's Yasiel Puig at 3,500. Yes. I mean, uh, baseball is a game of streaks, both hot and cold, and understanding when to ride them and when to peel off of them is very important. And, you know, you're not always going to get metrics that are going to tell you when. But having a player who's off to a good start, who's seeing the ball well, who's walking also. This is a new thing here where he is walking a lot. And at 3,500, taking that bat in the course, to me, that's, a, that's another guy. His ownership, I think, is going to be off the chart, but I can't sure. argue against it, John. Uh, you got to go with it because he's going against uh, Kyle Freeland, a, a total wild card uh, among pitchers on this slate. And the fact that the, the Dodgers are facing a lefty, that, that could uh, move some of their left-handed bats down the order, move uh, Puig closer to the middle of the lineup. Uh, so I think, you know, there's more run uh, RBI potential, there's more run potential uh, than, than you than we're, than we're usually getting with Puig when he hits, you know, six or seven. I think we could see him maybe even, you know, fifth or, or in the cleanup spot on Friday. So I, I really like Puig at, at 3,500. He seems to be just completely locked in that I was, you know, kind of following along the game uh, with the Dodgers beat writers today. And they all just kind of, they, they, their tone was just completely different about what they were seeing in Puig. And I took note of that. I think that, that you know, they're watching him every day, you know, for the past few years and for them to just kind of be kind of switching the way that they're talking about him, the way he looks at the plate right now. And then he's going to cores and he's only 3,500. I think there's something to be said for that. Two more guys here. And then we're going to get out of Dodge. We got Matt Kemp coming off a two home run performance against Matt Harvey. He's it in cleanup. 
uh, in that order. Again, Ivan Nova's out there. Uh, and you've got Kyle Schwarber leading off there in Milwaukee. I like that opportunity too. Both yes. of these guys just 3,400. And I keep saying just, and I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm just saying to myself, man, it's almost like they're just begging you to be rostered at this point. Exactly. And, and you know, in a slate with, with just such cheap pitchers outside of Scherzer, we really can just look at a, look at a guy like Schwarber checking in at 3,400 and be like, yeah, no, that is serious, serious value. Uh, I think that that's value for him regardless, but especially on a night where, where you can be a little bit more flexible because of uh, who you're rolling out at pitcher, I think Schwarber is kind of uh, about as close to a must play as, as we're going to see, plus the you know, leading off at Miller Park. Bunch of value in the outfield, too. you got Domingo Santana uh, at 3K. You've got Yasmani Tomas, slow start, I understand. But like you mentioned, Tomlin's out there at home now for Tomas, 2,900. Also, Carlos Gomez has been leading off at 2,900, too. So plenty of things to like under 3K. Before we get out of here, i got to ask you one question, John. Right. And that is, you know, I've been asking all my baseball people the same thing. Young pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, rookie Davis. Tell me, does that not sound like the greatest fake Nintendo placeholder name for like an RBI baseball character that they couldn't get the rights for, right? Like, it doesn't that sound like I just keep seeing it, and it's all I keep thinking of is like baseball stars or something like that, where they just couldn't get the name of the guy, so they call him Rookie Davis. It's like shortstop reason, Rodriguez. <laughs> like, what the hell is that? Yeah, like, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the kid's name from uh, from backyard baseball, but that that also oh, fits. Oh, I remember that. the backyard. I remember the Pablo, backyard uh, something or other, but. Oh my gosh! Yes, exactly. And for for some reason, like rookie Davis, when you when you put it in that context, it conjures this like mental image of just like Wario in like a pillbox Reds hat with with a giant mustache. It's like that's what rookie Davis looks like when when you turn on your console. <laughs> I don't oh, know. <laughs> amazing, absolutely amazing. All right, uh, that'll do it for us here on the RotoWire podcast presented by FanDuel. So uh, make sure you guys go out there, hit this slate hard and often. For John McKechnie, I'm Joe Pizapia. Have a great day of daily fantasy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.